Welcome to episode two of Lost Without Japan, a podcast based on Japan and your Lost Without moments. This is your director of travel for TKIC Studio Productions coming to you with hopes and dreams of a return to travel for himself and others in summer 2022. I'd like to thank you again for giving me a bit of your time today and truly hope that our podcast finds you in a great place or on the path to a better one, no matter how it may seem in this moment. My belief is that we could all use a beacon at times like this to help guide us through, and my hope is that this podcast and Japan could become one of those for you. Now go ahead and take a deep breath and come along with me as we begin planning either for your first trip to Japan or your return trip to Japan once travel opens back up to us. Getting you to know Japan on either your first visit or return trip is going to be a topic that I'm going to touch base on a multiple times this first season. Today's topic is going to focus on answering the questions of why choose Japan and for us to get you past the planning, or my dad liked to call it, hemming and hawing, and on to actual doing of getting you to Japan. Yes, I want to get you to Japan. Now come along with me on today's journey, and I feel that Japan has this very real possibility of ending up becoming one of your positive beacons as well as a happy place for you to experience your own lost without moments. Question number one today is, first off, why Japan? Now, chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, Japan is already an interest of yours and perhaps a place that you've already visited. But let's go ahead and answer why I feel Japan is worth your time, your hard-earned money, and why would someone start this podcast or this topic? What is it about Japan? Now, for me, I'm going to go ahead and answer that question by asking another one. What turned my dream of fulfilling a once-in-a-lifetime trip to Japan with Japan Fulbright Memorial Fund back in 2004 into a bi-yearly goal of mine to continue to return and further explore Japan? Let's start this discussion off at the easiest place for myself and begin with the Japan Fulbright Memorial Fund trip. And... I could also call this finding my happy place and my first memory of Japan. Now, one of the most fortunate events I've experienced in my life was being selected to visit Japan with 99 other teachers. At the time, they selected two teachers per state to go to Japan for a month's length of time on an expense-paid trip that was selected by the Japanese government to be able to have kind of a cultural exchange, experience the cultures of Japan, and basically come back from it sharing positive experiences with your community, your students, and those that are around you. Now, I must say myself, for a 
month's trip, airfare paid for, hotel paid for, the experiences of being able to interact with the survivor from Hiroshima to government officials to seeing students on the other side of the world. This couldn't have been the like any better of a deal for anyone to experience in this. Now, that all they asked was that upon your return, that you continue to share about Japan and you continue to kind of be an ambassador. And let me tell you, this is something I've done since my trip in 2004, and it's going to be something I continue to do for the rest of my life. Now, also, while on this trip, I ended up kind of sitting there for the first time, stepping out onto Narita with my group. And the first thing, my first experience beyond just being very tired after the flight, I had a horrible time of being able to sleep on my way there. But the first thought of mine was trying to turn it into a positive. And for me, what better way to do that than with a vending machine <laughs> as we were being hurried towards our buses and you know to our hotels in Tokyo. One of the first things I can honestly say and that I enjoyed was just that bottle of Picari sweat that I got looking at the Japanese characters, looking at the symbols that were on both the can itself and um, on the vending machine itself, looking out from the bus, seeing cars that were totally different than what I was used to, driving, you know, license plates that were totally different than what I was used to, sitting there and opening this drink and being surrounded by people that I'd grown to know on the flight over, but truly feeling at that moment that. I was actually in Japan, that I was living a moment that I had been dreaming about for my entire life. And I want for that to be something that you're going to experience for myself. Now, just it wasn't just Japan Fulbright Memorial Fund that I felt was one of those reasons that you should go to Japan. I can also tell you that I've made great friends on my trips to Japan. One of them that I count and hold like dearest to me was made in Hiroshima at a restaurant called Good Time. I also can talk about why Japan and being walked from one side of Tokyo Station to basically the other, like a 45-minute trip <laughs> guided by just someone who saw that I was lost and wanted to make sure that I had a good trip. And what hit me the most was as I boarded the train to where I needed to, that that person most likely had to take a 45 minute trip back to the other side of the station to get where they needed to go. They spent an hour and a half of their time to make sure that I had a great experience and great view of Japan. Now, I'm sure others have experienced similar things like that in different parts of the country, but this is just one of many, many things that have happened to myself and others that I've had that just continue to occur every time that I've gone. 
I could talk about why Japan and bring up that moment in Kyoto where I was out at Kiyomizu Temple looking at all of the leaves that had changed in November back in 2004 and seeing just every color of the rainbow I felt for as far as I could see and feeling probably one of the most profound spiritual experiences that I've ever had in my life. I could talk about that and I could also talk about just finding out all these different foods that I would have never experienced had I stayed inside the United States and finding out that I absolutely love Japanese curry. Talk to some of my friends, even those who were on the last trip for me, and ask them how could some, someone eat at five different curry restaurants in the same day. And I could answer, it's really just that good. You're going to have to trust me. I could also talk about the firework festivals that I've experienced, the DJ festivals that I've experienced, being able to walk and just take everything in. Where I'm at, you really can't do that. We have so many you know, cars or streets that truly are just not made for exploration, not made for you to be able to explore and kind of interact with other people. It has to be done by car. Um, you know, I could talk about that, or I could go back to that Japan Fulbright Memorial Fund experience to answer this question, why Japan? And what country in the world do you know that would spend over $20,000 on one teacher to experience that country for a month, much less pay for 100 teachers to do that same thing, to experience school systems, dance, food, government, culture in a country to where all they ask at the end is for you to be an ambassador for it when you return home. Now, during that time, I got to experience Tokyo for the first time. I got to stay at the Tokyo Prince, which I found out from all the hotels we stayed at was not your typical Japan experience as far as hotels and things go. I got to experience my first Japanese breakfast that was, you know, something I still, uh, you know, hold as a fond memory. It wasn't an official, I would say, like what you would call like a traditional Japanese breakfast, but one that they felt uh, was one that they had for us, everyone that was coming from America. And our breakfast potatoes were uh, French fries uh, to go with your eggs and other things that were there, but it was still just wonderful. Um, I will go into more uh, depth about my Japan Fulbright Memorial Fund experience at a later time, but truly, I feel like I've given you probably more than I should have but just some reasons as to why Japan. So now that we've kind of talked about why Japan, let's get to what most likely you came here for, getting yourself to Japan for that first time or return to Japan for your second, third, fourth time and make it even a better experience this time. Now you may ask yourself, if you went in 2004 and you're talked about your return trip yourself, why did it take you till 2017 to return? And I got to tell you, uh, being a dad with young kids, isn't it 
amazing how life can take hold and start having your day-to-day life of running around, doing errands, working, all those different things become your routine and just have that be uh, almost like a hamster wheel that you can't break out of. Well, I did return back to Japan and I did so by myself in 2017 and it it was truly even more wonderful than I had remembered uh, from my first trip. Now, it was definitely a different experience, and I'll go into that um, as well. But that 2017 trip couldn't have happened, and this is where it's going to lead to that first step for you, couldn't have happened um, without an event that took place in 2015. And I, I kind of like to talk about like this section is just a title of sometimes we need help getting started or as some may call it a kick you know on the butt now what was it that was me back in 2015 that got me in route to go back what was a discussion that i had with my dad and at the time i was routinely kind of checking airfare for japan and it was something that i'd done for a number of years after my return trip and For a long time after that return trip, airfare for a round trip was around, I want to say like $3,000, $3,500. And for someone who had young kids at the time, that seemed like an insurmountable goal, much less trying to save money for your stay and food and just to be able to have some experiences while you're there. So what ended up happening in 2015 was a significant price drop. And I don't know if it was the number of, you know, flights that are going out or what ended up happening, but I was able to find airfare to Japan during the summer for $800 round trip. And that was huge. $800 that's something that I could conceivably see saving for. $3,500, you know, not so much when that's just to get myself there. But $800, I talked to my dad as he was sitting there, and we were playing cribbage, a card game for those of you that don't know it, and I brought up to my dad, man, dad, like, you know, there's there's this trip uh, for Japan, It's only $800 now for airfare. And he was kind of caught off guard and surprised. And he'd been to Japan too, as those of you listened to the previous episode uh, numerous times, and he knew the cost for airfare and things like that. And this became kind of a routine that I fell into without even realizing it. And he asked me flat out, and sometimes you need your family members to do this, Mike, are you going to just continue hemming and hawing about this trip? Or are you actually going to do it? And that really caught me off guard. I was like, I don't know. He goes, what's holding you back? And I'm like, well, what am I going to do with my you know, son and daughter during this trip? And he's like, Mike, you have your mom and myself. We can watch the kids for you. In fact, we'd love to have them for that time. 
And I, I said, well, I guess it's kind of setting aside that money or I, I, I don't know. I, I was like kind of sitting at a point of like, I don't know. I don't know. Why not? Why not take this step? And here's what I decided to do at that point in time. And something that my dad laid out to me, he goes, Mike, it's 800 bucks. Can you afford to take $20 from a paycheck or $50 from a paycheck and start saving it? And at first I was like, come on, you know, I have my, my kids and I am a single parent. What do you mean? Like, that's a lot of money. And he goes, well, Mike, how often do you go to McDonald's? How often do you grab a coffee? How often do you do those things that add up without you even realizing it? He said, why don't you try it? Go, the worst thing that's gonna happen is that you are going to have to pull that money back and use it for something. Best case scenario, you're gonna forget you're even doing it because you're gonna look at your balance when you go to think about going to a McDonald's or go to a Burger King or a Starbucks, whatever it is, and you're only gonna see a certain amount of money in your account. You're not even gonna think about that other balance that you're adding up, that savings that you're doing for yourself. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen, that brings me to your first step for today. And your first step I would like for you to do is this. Find another bank or credit union. Credit unions are fantastic, at least in my opinion, for doing this. Find one that is separate than your normal bank. And that is hugely important because a lot of times you're like, Mike, why can't I just open up a savings? Why can't I open up another checking? Why do I need to open up something with a complete different bank? And I'm going to tell you that's because when you log in to pay your bills or log in to see your balance, you're not going to see that savings because it's real easy to have life happen and just pull from that. You know, oh, I really don't have the money for this. Or, man, you know, oh, it's really tight this week. Uh, it'd be nice to not pay for gas and start pulling back from it. But when I pay or do anything I have, I don't see it. So pl go ahead and look to open an account in a credit union. The one that I found that was near me, literally all I needed was $10. $10 to open the account. Maybe it's a hundred something it's here, but like it was literally just $10 in setting up direct deposit with that credit union. And what I did through my work was I went ahead and set aside $50 to be taken out of my paycheck every single paycheck. And Quickly, I realized that if I did that $50, it was $100 for the month and then $1,200 for the year. More than that $800 that I needed for that airfare if it stayed the same. And really, I can tell you this, $50, too much for you, understand it. I've had to you know, adjust mine throughout the years too. Make it 20 Make it 10 Chances are 
you're going to see that you're not even noticing that that money isn't there. And you're going to increase the amount that you're setting aside. When you do this, what's going to happen is at the end of a year, if you're coming from the U.S. or some other place that's here, probably something similar. Airfare right now, I want to say for my trip, was around uh, $1,300. Now, I'm not talking business class. I'm not talking first class. But I am talking a flight that was one stop uh, for me and really didn't seem too horrible um, as far as things go. And most importantly, it's going to get you to Japan. A year from now, imagine you logging in and searching airfare and purchasing your ticket. Set up this second account, please. Once you have that money set aside, and that reminder comes up on your phone a year from now to start looking at airfare, you're going to do something that's probably going to be even more impactful than just setting aside the money for the trip. And that's going to be purchasing your ticket for Japan. Nothing made it more real to me than actually knowing that I had a tangible ticket to get myself there. I went from not doing anything more than just the $50 a week the from my paycheck every other week to suddenly I was like my friends were going out to a concert and I still went but I didn't get the best seat in the house or second best seat of the house. I was at the venue. <laughs> You know, maybe I uh, didn't stop to grab food on the way and I grabbed lunch meat instead. But I started wanting to try to save as much as I could because I realized I was going to be there in a year. And I was going to have another $1,200 set aside for myself. And this trip, even if I did nothing else. And let me tell you, it's a wonderful thing, a very addictive thing, and it's led to my return in 2019, and it would have led for a return to me again in 2021 this past summer if COVID had not stopped it. But let me tell you, I really cannot wait for 2022, and just think, this setting aside of $50 every other paycheck has led to me now having something to where I can look to return and have a wonderful once-in-a-lifetime trip potentially every other year. Now, that leads me to my next section. So you've, we have a starting point, getting that second account at a credit union or bank. Take that first step, okay? Let's get you there. Mike, I can see where you're coming from, but isn't Japan itself super expensive? If I have airfare and I have $1,200 more, can I really go to Japan? Let me tell you. You can definitely 
go to Japan. Let's say you're able to set aside that $2,400, you buy your airfare, you have another $1,200. Maybe you're not shooting for two weeks in Japan. Maybe on this first trip, you're shooting for a week. And you may ask, but it's just a week. And my retort that would be, you're going to be in Japan. Let me break down a couple different prices for you to let you see that Japan can be as expensive or inexpensive as you make it yourself, okay? For your trip, I was able to stay in Japan for two weeks back in 2017, and I could still do this today, for two weeks through Airbnb for just $450. No joke, two weeks in Japan, multiple locations, $450. Where else in the world could you stay for two weeks and have it be just that? Now, disclaimer, were the places I stayed at uh, super fancy? No, they were no thrills. Could some of the places I stayed at, could I have reached out with both hands and touched both sides, both walls in it? Believe me, I did, and it's possible. But truly, if you're in Japan and the other side of the world, all you really need is a place to sleep a shower to use, and a bathroom, and a place to put your luggage. And those no-thrills places will do their job a hundred times over. So right now, you could even break that into half for just a week. Maybe $250, $300. You can do it as fancy as you want to, but I just want to say it is realistic to go. Now, If you're just going to Tokyo and that is your focus, you're doing a week, you could spend three weeks in Tokyo, honestly, and not go anywhere else in the country and have an amazing time. But if you are just staying in Tokyo and exploring that for the week that you're here, you don't need to add on this next section. But if you want to travel outside to see Kyoto or something else during the time that you're there, I'm going to recommend the JRL Pass. And you say, what is the JRL Pass? Well, it is this amazing opportunity for those of us that don't have the fortunate ability to live in Japan at this current moment. You can get currently a JRL Pass for $287 for one week. You can get one that will take two weeks of use for $456. And with that pass, while you're in Tokyo and some places it's there, if any of the subways that you go on that are the JR line, you show your pass, your JRL pass, and you go wherever it is that you want to on that subway for no additional money. But the coolest part is being able to ride the Shinkansen, otherwise known as the bullet train for some, to take you on a super fast-paced, awesomely wonderful ride to wherever else you want to go. And if you travel from Tokyo to Kyoto and from Kyoto back, it's going to pay for itself, even 
just in that one trip for that one week. And if you're there for two weeks, and as I'm planning on doing on this next stop, of going from Tokyo to Hiroshima to Osaka to Kyoto to Fukuoka and back, the average price of your Shinkansen, if you were to purchase it, is going to be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds more than if you buy this pass. So you have potentially $250 for one week. You have $287 for a JRL pass. And here's the next part, kind of the budget things that show you that you can do this, is that I try to budget myself $100 a day for food and expenses. And usually by the end of the trip, I've not spent that all. And I have this collection of money that's left over that I can either put towards kind of bumping up my overall experience, buying some things I may have looked at when I first arrived in Tokyo and get it on my return. Or there's been times where I've come back and taken the $150 that I had left and just put it back into my account for my savings for my next trip. If you do the $100 a day and the $287 for the week and $250 that you you have for here, realistically, you could do this just by saving that little bit of money that you have. And again, are you setting aside money for like, you know, huge purchases or, you know, buying other things that's there? No. Are you going to be eating at five-star restaurants and, you know, other things that are there? No. But let me tell you, some of the things that I enjoy the most in Japan are the things that I've eaten from the Lawson's or 7-Elevens and the donuts that I've had there for breakfast. Fantastic. The chicken that I've eaten late at night or during the day or early in morning, also wonderful. And let me tell you right now, the McDonald's, the KFCs, all of those things that you have in Japan are so much better there than they are at home. I could have had the McDonald's breakfast every single morning if for nothing else for the customer service that you receive, not only through McDonald's, from Lawson's, every place you go there is above and beyond anything that you've probably experienced to where they'll take that breakfast that I purchased, put it into a bag for myself, the drink, the food, everything, and give it to you in a bag that you can carry off. When I get to a place that I can, I was able to eat. And all of this was done pretty cheaply. And there are some places, as I was talking about my favorite curry restaurants that you can go. There are some beef bowl places that I was able to get a beef bowl and an adult beverage for $7.50. So let me tell you, none of those meals I would consider to be something that made my trip any worse. In fact, eating at the family restaurants and eating at those curry establishments or being around everyone that's kind of in a hustle and a bustle and things like that were some of the things I enjoyed the most. The quality of food that you have there is so much more regardless of your price range. So you can have a fantastic time no matter how much you spend. Now, is that saying that you 
can't have, you know, like uh, even better things are there for sure. Whatever your budget is, you do it. But my goal for today is just this. It's time to stop hemming and hawing if you've not been. It's time for you to take that first step. And I'd like to hear from you about that. Please, like right now, go online. Set that calendar reminder if this is the weekend or a a point where you can't for you to start your journey. Okay? Let's make that first step together. And you're more than welcome to reach out to me at lostwithoutjapan at gmail.com for help in any of this. My goal is truly to get as many people as possible to enjoy Japan and then come back as ambassadors themselves. Okay? Some housekeeping here for the moment. Please give a follow, a like, and comment on whatever favorite streaming service you're using right now. For updates on the show, feel free to give me a follow on Instagram at lostwithoutjapan or visit lostwithoutjapan.lipson.com. Once again, if you want to reach out to me directly at any time, feel free to email me at lostwithoutjapan at gmail.com. And we are going to look for the next episode to arrive in two weeks and have our adventure kickoff again as we kind of continue our discussion about getting you to Japan. Or step two, so to say. Step one, let's go make that separate account. So you can go about making your Lost Without Japan Japan moments. Now, on behalf of Lost Without Japan and the entire crew, I'd like to thank you for joining us on this trip. And we're looking forward to seeing you on board again in the very near future. To everyone out there, Oginki Day. Stay well, everyone.